0: all the lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Case. I am your host, Angel.
1: I'm your other host, Brandon, and this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense.
0: And we're doing so this week in our most intimate of ways.
1: You know, for people who don't believe that Mercury Retrograde is a thing, our mic cord that we've had for four and a half years since the beginning of this podcast, we plugged it in to record this podcast and it just stopped working. Dead. You know, of any of the times during the year when it could have stopped working, it's Mercury Retrograde when the shit always blows up in your face. So we are sharing a mic and we are literally inches from each other's face. <laughs>
0: I know but it's kind of nice, right? It just makes us really vulnerable to each other. We're really connected.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to take like a selfie of us in this position so people can really get a sense of how we look right now. <laughs> but this is how committed
1: we are to getting you your podcast content in a timely fashion that we said, "Let's figure it out."
0: Yeah, we did flirt a while back with pausing the show during mercury retrograde periods um but then we lost people listening
1: yeah we lose you we lose you and you never come back and we want to do everything we can to keep you so here we are sharing a mic we're basically like french kissing over this microphone
0: Wow, you're really pulling out all the stops to keep people, huh? We're
1: basically shirtless <laughs> in jock straps holding our crystals over this microphone.
0: Oh, okay, come on. This is a family show.
1: Actually, you know what, you guys? I put all of my crystals in a drawer this week. Oh, wait, let's introduce ourselves before we get into all of that.
0: Yeah, who the hell are you?
1: I'm Brandon Alter. I am a queer, non-binary, spirit healer, I am a tarot reader, an astrologer, and I am a songwriter,
0: and uh, your husband. And I'm Angel Lopez, your husband, and also a writer, a producer, a, an, an astrologer, and a teacher of all metaphysical situations. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, the metaphysical situations.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Any situation you want to get into on the metaphysical plane, I'm here for you. I mean, that's pretty much how we live. Yeah, very much so. So you were saying, crystals in a drawer.
1: All right. So it's Mercury Retrograde. It's in Taurus. It's a great time to, like, reorganize. And obviously, with the loss of noche, our house feels challenging. It's a challenging place to be. So we were like, this is a good time to kind of, like, redecorate, reorganize, and like get rid of things that we're not using anymore. And so that includes clothes and books, but also I just felt like the spirit room used to be full of spirit and it was starting to just feel very cluttered and full of things. And so I realized that I just like need to be a little bit more of a spiritual minimalist these days. And so with the exception of like two or three big crystals, I put all my other sweet little babies in a drawer where they could hibernate for a bit, which I think is good for them. Because I do think that like crystals without intention, when they're just like out in the space can kind of fuck shit up. Um, So yes, I, I put all my little crystal babies in a drawer and I'm looking at the drawer right now and I'm loving that drawer And I'm actually glad that it's closed.
0: Yeah, your updated uh, spirit altar is really beautiful now. It's so intentional. I like it. it. I look at mine and mine looks like a bit of a garage sale. So,
1: You know, I actually really took a note from Mimi Young when she said it's not about what an altar looks like. It's about how an altar feels. Yeah. And as I was putting it together, I was really paying attention to my feeling state and it was really beautiful and it was a really cool practice because there were moments where i was getting emotional and when i kind of completed it it just felt it felt like it was singing and so i'm very happy about it.
0: Well nice. Well now i'm deeply inspired and excited to get mine. I kind of feel like i need a new like altar furniture piece cuz that one is not mine.
1: Angel's Taurus Rising just always wants to buy things.
0: Yes, also true. But what in a view explains you always wanting to buy things? <laughs> My grief. <laughs> well, that's not astrological. I mean, it could be. That's true. It could be. You have a lot of eighth house placements.
1: They do in Scorpio.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about that today. We're actually going to talk to you about the fifth house today.
1: Yes, we are continuing our series on the houses of astrology that a lot of y'all have been telling us you're really enjoying and we're really glad because we're going to keep doing it regardless. So we're almost halfway there. Today's deep dive is all about the fifth house. But before that, maybe you want to check in a little bit?
0: You want to share your feelings? Who, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, what is going on with me? Well, you know, I love these check-ins but I also despise them because it feels sometimes like I'm just like spilling out all of the like challenges that I'm going through and I don't want it to all seem like challenges um
1: but it is a uniquely challenging chapter in our lives so I think it's authentic just to spill the tea on it you know
0: no for sure and Obviously, we've been going through a lot of, um, emotional and spiritual challenge, um, with the loss of Noche, um, but I've also just been battling a lot of physical ailments, which has been really, I don't know, it's just been, like, uniquely interesting for me to have to wrap my head around, um, the lessons of you know like we we did a a spirit world circle last night and in that I really wanted to uh, venture to my helping spirits to get some idea around just the teachings of it all and it definitely was really interesting and gave me an just some stuff to think about around like structure in my life and needing to restructure certain things in my life that that's kind of the teachings of it. And having even had a little more time to think about that, I think it's been a little bit given Taurus season two about restructuring like my values, what I value and my priorities and realizing that my body has been this thing, this thing, it has been this element of me that I have obsessed over for so, I mean, for my whole life. Um, but at the same time have both been afraid of to some degree and unwilling to fully engage with and, I think I have prioritized my body, but not in the healthiest of ways. So realizing that like my body, my physical health, my physical being, and I think even just like my aliveness needing to be a greater priority. I realize how much I struggle with like just being alive And the the idea of being in a body. And I sometimes associate it with like having so much pressure and responsibility, right? To like be in a body and to take care of it and to stay alive. And I think it's really important for me to lean into not so much the stress and anxiety around those things and much more of just like the fun and the enjoyment and the pleasure of being in a body. And through that, I think finding really fun, healthy ways to care for my body. And I think it's just also getting older and realizing that Your body changes and I think I'm like at a place too where I'm like, oh, my body is changing and I have to learn to evolve with it um, and really care for it. So that's kind of like the space that I'm really in right now is how to really engage with my body and my aliveness in a really healthy and present way.
1: Well, you certainly have the capacity for it. I mean, just thinking about, like, what a good dad you were to Noche, which is the same sort of tending, you know? So you are able to do it. It's just shifting your attention from something outside of yourself to something that is yourself.
0: Yeah. That's helpful to hear. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you were better... And stricter than I was. I would let him eat chippies out of my hand.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, Mala made him very happy.
1: I know. I have a great video of him chomping on a chippy, which is this like, it's like a Cheeto, but it's like a healthy Cheeto. It's made (laughs) out of chickpeas.
0: Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly healthier
1: healthier than a Cheeto. For sure. Because there's no like artificial shit. It's like chickpea flour and, you know.
0: Yeah, but he was always so proud. Oh, my God. I know.
1: There were days when, like, we would just, like, in, like, the peak of my grief with my mom, I would just, like, sit on the couch with, like, a blanket and a bag of chippies watching some sci-fi trash, and Noche would just, like, come and, like, sit on my chest, and I would just, like, feed us chippies. (laughs) Until Angel came in, and then I would, like, have to pretend
0: like I wasn't feeding Noche chippies. And I'd be like, is he just eating those things? He'd be like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he'd have the dust all over his face. Uh, How are you, hun? I mean,
1: I feel like I already checked in with my little story <laughs> about crystals and, and the altar. And, you know, that's that's where I'm at. I'm grateful for this month where we don't have a lot on the calendar. And we can really focus on just like taking the high road with our grief and taking care of ourselves. And I think funneling some of our emotions into creativity and creating just like a new energetic space for ourselves it it feels like the right thing to be doing and it feels like instead of running away from what we're facing or just like running into it and through it and I look forward to getting to the other side of it to some degree cuz like you can't expedite grief I'm realizing like you can't move it along but you can delay it uh by not facing it so I am more than willing to just keep keep facing it so that it doesn't have to take longer than it
0: needs to. Well, I think we've come to learn too that like it's stages, right? And it's evolution. Like it never fully goes away. So it's not entirely like a thing to conquer or a monster to face. It It's just engaging with the process.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking the other day that like grief is not a problem to be solved. It's, an ally that you integrate and the more time you spend with it the less painful it is because you get to know it and grief is non-linear so you know time can pass and yet there are moments or triggers that bring you right back to the heart of the pain of the loss Um, but it just becomes less of a stranger so i'm here to i'm here to be spending as much time with it as it as it wants.
0: All right. Well, I'm happy to share you.
1: Share me with the grief. Girl, you already have been.
0: <laughs> yeah. Grief is our third. Gross. <laughs>
1: Unless grief's super hot.
0: Yeah, then come on in.
1: Um all right. Who would you cast as grief in our in our relationship?
0: <laughs> Oh, gosh. I don't know. I really don't know, to be honest, because I haven't ever thought of it from that perspective. Who would you cast? Channing Tatum. Of course. Even still? Yeah, just like a
1: dopey grief feels like, you know, like grief like a puppy, like a puppy grief.
0: Yeah, who will just like get me things when I need it. He'll just sit on your face. Okay. So there you have it. Just a little window into, at least Brandon's mentality around uh, what grief looks like and feels like, if sexualized. Listen, grief and sex are ve- it's sex and death.
1: You know, like that's Scorpio. They're very connected. So can't deny it. Hey, it's good for you. Mm-hmm. We are actually in the in the Scorpio Taurus eclipse portal in a lot of ways. We're recording this the day before that big solar eclipse. So I feel like even though you may be listening to this after the fact, we should just talk about what's happening in the heavens in this episode's Cosmic Cosmic Update.
0: Alrighty, so it is a cosmic update I'm here to tell you what the hell's going on, and we've already talked about it, the Mercury retrograde. We are in the thick of it, and we are in the thick of an eclipse season still, um, though we are reaching its conclusion. I think its conclusion is like this week, eh?
1: Well, alright, so tomorrow, Friday, today, whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> it's four weeks ago is the final eclipse of this eclipse season, which is this lunar eclipse in Scorpio. But eclipse season doesn't end after the last eclipse. The sun and the moon have to get about 15 or so degrees away from the nodes of fate. Or sometimes it's the next lunation that puts the period at the end of eclipse season. So there's still this kind of slow fade out of intensity and Frankly, for my money, I would say eclipse season isn't officially over until we get to that new moon in Gemini.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. So we really will have like a couple more weeks to move through it, which coincides with this Mercury retrograde as well. Yeah, but this is the
1: climax. You know, like it's not ever going to be more intense for this eclipse season than it is kind of right now.
0: Yeah. So I think you can really just think um, more directly about the themes of Taurus. We are in Taurus season, this Mercury retrogrades in Taurus, and then we have this Taurus-Scorpio polarity um, going on with the nodes and, and with eclipse season. So it really is, I think, ultimately about embodiment. And I guess it... Makes sense uh, to just echo what I was talking about earlier, right? Of being comfortable with themes of pleasure, and it's so funny we're such a, a thematic just for this whole episode because even you know we'll we'll be talking about kind of joy and pleasure when we talk about the fifth house as well.
1: But um, that's kind of been how these episodes have been going though. If you listen back, like the themes of the house start at the beginning of the episode to kind of infuse whatever it is we're talking about
0: right right so yeah because you know Taurus really is about that embodiment right like you take what sparked in Aries and you put it into form uh, during Taurus season so on some level we're all grappling with bringing something to form an idea A belief, a feeling we've had, you know, like this eclipse season, Mercury retrograde season has, I would imagine, for many of you on some level, brought it out into the open, into surface, into tangibility, so that you are really having to face the reality of it or look at the things that uh, exist in your life, the jobs. The, the stuff, us talking about literally going through things in our home, you know, and aligning with what still matters to us and what doesn't, um, that I think is uh, very in line with everything that is going on, you know, and if you think about a Mercury retrograde in Taurus too, it's like, yeah, what do we think about the stuff, you know, like it's a time to really reassess it. Um, and I think at times we then like repurpose things, right? Um, that's like a big, I think Taurus Mercury retrograde word repurpose, um, finding new form for it. <laughs> I guess re-gifting would also be a really good, uh, Taurus retrograde, Taurus Mercury retrograde, uh, way of, uh, of working with it, I guess, too.
1: Well, I think what's interesting to just kind of hammer home here is that Mercury retrograde is happening at the same time as eclipse season, and it's happening in the same sign. So the North Node is in Taurus at the same time as Mercury is retrograding through Taurus and is in some ways, having conversation with the South Node in Scorpio. So these themes of what are we releasing, what are we letting go of, and what are we moving towards, and making sure because that North Node is like where your soul wants to be headed. It's like the North Star. It's a a guiding principle, and it's in Taurus. So it's making sure that the stuff is guiding you towards where you want to go, and it's not dragging you back to where you've been. And that's a thing that is always on display when you're going through old clothes you're like is this still who I am is this still who I want to be or am I just holding on to it because I spent $200 on this sweater and I don't want to let it go but the truth is you're never going to wear it again
0: I mean for me the challenge is will I have anything left to wear because I was going through stuff the other day And in my head, just being like, oh, yeah, I need to get rid of that. Remember, I showed you those jeans that I've had. And I was like, I've had these jeans for almost 10 years. And like, they don't. They're not great jeans, everybody. They're not great. They don't. Yeah, they don't like fit me well. They're fine. They're fine, but they don't give me a good ass.
1: They're denim that covers your lower body.
0: (laughs) Yet, did I get rid of them that day? No, they're still sitting in there. And I haven't worn them since I had that revelation. I just haven't been able to do it. But I'm also, you know, a Taurus rising. So I'm slow to move in a Cancer moon. And I hold on to the emotional connection that I have to things.
1: Oh, you Cancers with your Cancer placements just love to collect and hold on to things. And you're like,
0: I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it valuable someday. Right. But I think we're also then very good at like that purge day where we're like, nope, thanks. Bye. Done. you. Oh, completely. Better than you, I think. Are you? Yes, better than Capricorn moons. Oh, my God, it's no. I can throw shit
1: away in a hot second.
0: I haven't seen it. Girl,
1: come on. I got to be in my bonnet and everything is gone.
0: Well, yes, that is true. But I think it takes you longer. Who can say? <laughs> we,
1: If only there were like a neutral third party who could weigh in like grief as played by Channing Tatum.
0: Oh, my God. Who's that at the door? (laughs) Um, Now, the other interesting component, too, to all this is that, you know, the Mercury retrograde will end on May 14th. But then two days later, on May 16th, Jupiter shifts into Taurus. So it continues to amplify all of these Taurus themes that we're moving to, uh, moving through. But. It does, I think, really help to bring some forward movement, some real like progress to the process. Um, I'm hopeful.
1: Well, and what Jupiter does pretty soon after entering Taurus is conjunct that north node, which is really auspicious. It's bringing in a lot of what you want and where you're headed. So there's something about the eclipse season and the Mercury retrograde that's about creating space for the abundance, for the new, for what's more aligned. And if there isn't space, then Jupiter is just going to be like trying to squeeze in. And you don't want Jupiter to have to squeeze in. You want a whole ballroom for Jupiter to spin around in.
0: Yeah, nice. So I think we should just do a whole episode on jupiter and taurus um at some point or just a a, we can uh dedicate our entire next cosmic update to it yeah but that also might be a good deep dive episode or just like a
1: cosmic update that's the whole episode i really want to do an episode on redeeming the five of pentacles because it's something i've been thinking about a lot and we haven't done a tarot episode in a while so i feel like that needs to be our next episode but then yeah let us know. Let us know what you would like, everybody. Do you want a whole Jupiter and Taurus episode?
0: Um. All right. Well, I think uh, it's a good time to dive into another five. The fifth house.
1: So put on your scuba suit and get ready for this episode's deep, deep dive. dive. Splash. Sploosh.
0: the fifth house of astrology. Now, the fifth house was, I think, always mostly associated, you know, from a traditional sense with children, Um, with procreation, how we relate to kids, uh, and then also the energy around that, right? So just like the enjoyment the pleasures of life. Uh, I think as we've moved into more modern times, it's then also become much more associated with creativity as well. Um, And then I've always felt like a big, even more modern take on it is our relationship to our own inner child because i feel like a lot of people live their lives without any relationship to children um and it's not so much to say that oh yeah your chart just says you're not interested in having children so we're moving on from to another house like i think the fifth house has more to teach us than that And I think as we've grown uh, more aware of I think just like the whole concept of like inner child, specifically inner child versus wounded child, um, you can look to the fifth house to get a real good understanding of your own relationship with your inner child and like the purity of that. Right. And that I think then connects us back to joy, to pleasure and to creativity.
1: Yeah, so if you remember from our last episode, the fourth house, which has many significations, but one of them being your experience of growing up in your family and in your household, the fifth house expands upon that. So if you have a wounded child in the fourth house, the fifth house is how you heal that child through creativity, through self-expression, through your style of parenting because the fifth house isn't just like what your kids might be like because sometimes people will have planets in their fifth house that actually end up symbolizing the kids that they will have But the fifth house also symbolizes what sort of parent you are. What is your style of parenting? And even if you don't have any human babies, it's the type of parent you are to an animal companion. It's the type of parent you are to a creative project. And so we need to remember that there are many ways we give birth. And it's not just to human babies. It's to songs and stories and even businesses, if you are a creative entrepreneur, the fifth house signifies how you create in the world and, and how you parent.
0: So you can start by just looking at the sign that rules your fifth house to get a sense of how you approach all of these things, that parenting, that creativity, uh, that inner child connection. So what is uh, your fifth house ruler? So my
1: fifth house ruler is actually Cancer. It starts my fifth house, but the bulk of it is Leo.
0: So would you then also obviously then look to the moon in your chart to get a deeper sense of it? Right,
1: because the moon is the ruling planet of Cancer, for sure. So, you know, my fifth house is definitely influenced by my 10th house Capricorn moon. I'm always thinking about my creativity as how I can commodify it. And that's part of what gets in the way for me is that sometimes I'm not just allowing myself the pleasure of my creativity, but I'm thinking about like what it's going to get me. But it's also cancer. So it's also like very intuitive, you know, like I channel songs, things just come through me. But just in terms of like my parenting style, I'm fiercely protective. I'm very cancerian and I can like step into like big mommy energy, even like when I like, put you in the back of the car last week and took you down to San Diego for doctor's appointments. You know, like that's very cancerian, but also it's a Capricorn moon cancerian. Cause I'm like scheduling and organizing and I'm like, you're going to get the best medical care possible.
0: Well, and as we already learned about from your chippy story, you love to nourish with food.
1: That's true. I do.
0: Well, I'm also the one in the kitchen, right? Mm hmm. But yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? To like, Remember, you have to really lean into that sign. So for you, like you really do need to lean into that, like intuitive and emotional nourishment around your creativity, around your parenting. But ultimately, yeah, it's gonna get flavored by the planet, sun, moon that that rules it, and where that lives as well.
1: Yeah. So for me, because I have two signs in the fifth house, it speaks to my creative process as well. So when I start a creative project, it's cancer. It's very secret. It's very hidden. It's just for me. I don't talk about it. Nobody knows about it, sometimes not even Angel. And then once I start to make my way into Leo, I'm able to express it and center myself within it. So even when I'm writing things for other people, I can't help but but factor myself into it somehow.
0: Yeah. Whereas my fifth house is ruled by Virgo, which really makes a lot of sense to me because I do like to be really organized and orderly. I mean, even down to like just from like a creative perspective, I like to have a very organized, orderly like environment yeah, from which to work you know my desk is like very detailed and very purposeful um, even the way like the way the words on the page look to
1: you and that like you hate a paragraph that goes from like the end of one page to the beginning of the next that's so Virgo
0: yeah I'm very like structured but of course that comes with like this the obnoxious perfectionism part of that right which is my greatest downfall with it is that If something doesn't feel too perfect or I don't like feel like it will be received in a like fully cohesive way, then it's like I just hold on to it or I destroy it without letting others in. And my fifth house then does have, well, really only seven degrees of Libra at the uh, tail of it. which of course would say how you were describing your cancer to Leo process for me, like inviting in partners, collaborators is always really helpful and important. And usually when the work really soars and sings, but I have to get through a lot of Virgo to get to that part of the process. And yeah, I can get really in my head about it, but you know, when it comes to, yeah, and also like a parenting, you know, taking care of others style, I do think I have a no very... chippies. <laughs> I think I just have a really like ordered way um, about approaching that, you know? Yeah, I am a, a bit more structured in how I approach people as well as, yeah, just like projects and things of that nature.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, though, to look to Mercury, which is the ruling planet of Virgo. And in your chart, I know that Mercury is conjunct Venus in Aries. And Mercury conjunct Venus is very often a signification of a writer because Venus is, you know, beautification and what you value. And Mercury is the mind and words. And so your fifth house answers to that Mercury-Venus conjunction, right? So it's definitely a sign that you are supposed to be writing and that creativity is supposed to be, you know, fostered through words and stories and ideas. And it's Aries, so like stories that have never been told before or stories that are like inspired by your life, Aries being that first personal sign.
0: Yeah, I am aware. (laughs) I'm working. I'm just battling through that fucking damn perfectionist mentality and all of the like details. I get very easily caught up in the details of things that I lose sight of the bigger picture and then it all just gets stalled um, but interestingly too if you think about the, uh, Virgo from the modern perspective too of Chiron as the ruler um, that also lives in my 12th house as well in Taurus so also having to understand that some of my like physical wounds are really spiritual lessons And teachings for me and that that can also then inform my creativity as
1: well so in general the fifth house is a house of pleasure it can also be a house of sex because if it's a house of children how do you get them you get them through sex and there's also something sexual and i don't necessarily mean that in terms of like physical sex but like the eros of creation right? Like when you are pregnant with an idea. So there's a pleasure principle, a little Janet Torsey's and nod there to the fifth house. And also, if you remember, I think we've brought up the idea of the planetary joys and that traditionally there was one house that each planet would really rejoice in. And Venus is in her joy in the fifth house. Venus who relates to other people, Venus who wants to create and beautify. So the fifth house is a really, it's an auspicious house. And it doesn't just mean children. It can also mean people who feel like children. So for us as teachers, students of ours who have been with us for a really long time, they start to populate the fifth house because we think of you like our children. Um, And it also might be for you, like if you have any Mentees in your life, they become fifth house. If you have Saturn in the fifth house, you might be slow to have children. You know, you might be a parent late in life. You might not be able to give birth to your creativity until you're older because Saturn takes their time. But if you have Jupiter in the fifth house, you might have a ton of children or a lot of creativity or a lot of sex or a lot of dating because that's also the fifth house as well it's interesting and i won't get into it too deeply but the way sex has moved from the fifth house to the seventh house to the eighth house over time is really fascinating and it's just based on the views of sex it it you know is about pleasure and procreation and then it's more about partnership in the seventh house and then it's about like the contract, right? Like a marriage has to be consummated in order for it to be legitimate. And so then sex moved to the eighth house. But I would say all three of those houses, five, seven, and eight can give you some clues into how you want to strip down and get naked with somebody. But it's really the fifth house that's about pleasure through the body, through creativity and reclaiming that childlike aspect of wonder and joy before the shame came to visit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always learned the relationship to sex in the fifth house as like it ruling like casual sex, you know, like just like fun sex without any strings attached to it. Um, which we know sometimes, um, in certain sexual relationships can lead to surprise a child. Um, not in, not in our case. Um, but, uh, at least for the most part not without a miracle (laughs) right or without a you know night of surprising turn of events but um what turn of events are you suggesting that you know you're maybe just like drunkenly out and you're like you know what i'm gonna like give this a shot and see what happens next thing you know they call you up It was like the uh, terrible Madonna-Rupert Everett movie from like 2000. Ugh, the next best thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. More like the least
0: worst thing. (laughs) Uh, I know. It also gave birth to Madonna, what I believe to be one of Madonna's worst songs, that American Pie cover, though a lot of people actually really love it. Oh, I really like it. Oh my God. Well, here we are announcing our divorce. Live on air. That's eclipse season for you. (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in. Good night. But yeah, no, just the idea of like casual sex, playfulness, um, being in um, relationship to sex, and yeah, being just like fully in the pleasure of it without having any sort of outcome attached to it, any sort of goal. And the fifth house is just
1: located squarely in the middle of that lower right quadrant of the chart. And if you remember those first three houses, one, two, and three, it's just for you. It's just for you, it's not for anybody else, it's you engaging with yourself. But four, five, six, we start to take ourselves not so much out into the world at large, but out into the smaller world of our community and our family, and how do you create a family except by dating, by having sex, by exploring how you partner with other people, And I think the same thing is true for creativity is that creativity can't exist in a vacuum. It has to find its way out into the world as well. And so that's also part of what we're doing here in this fifth house is that we are in some ways starting to kind of crystallize how we want to be in relationship with the world. And that can challenge who we think we are sometimes. The fifth house is a place that can be challenging when all of a sudden who you thought you were in one, two, three, Or how you were raised in four shows up to be something different, or you know how you were raised in the fourth house isn't how you want to raise your children in the fifth house, and so there's a response to it. You you lean into the other direction.
0: Yeah, I think we like really learn how to enjoy our our identity and our self expression in the fifth house. Um, If we think of it just from that, like story of the identity right that starts in the first house and deepens in the sex house in the second house when we embody it in the third house did you just say the sex house (laughs) it's just got sex on the mind now because we've been talking so much about it but then that like third house where we learn our mentality around it our thoughts our ideas and then yeah the fourth house where we have to sort of confront ourselves through the lens of our family yeah that fifth house then starts to help us deepen. That relationship to our identity and who we really want to be, how how we really want to express in the world, because yeah, then that sixth house is really where we reach the doorway to the larger world, right? The world outside of the one that we've just come to learn about within ourselves. So it's a really interesting house, um, you know, when it comes to looking at it from just like uh, just like personal identity. And how you're you're evolving and i also think it's really important to mention too that the fifth house is just like essentially like a house of good fortune too so knowing for yourselves if you have any planets in the fifth house there is i I think you kind of used the word auspicious earlier but like you know there is a real sense of like that planetary energy bringing luck your way you know, or being uh, an outlet for fortune for you.
1: Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I think that kind of follows that line of reasoning with Venus rejoicing in the fifth house because, you know, Venus is one of the benefics. She's one of the planets that makes your life go well. And so because that is the house of her joy, the fifth house is not just how you're lucky, but if you have a really strong fifth house, it's how you create luck for yourself. It's how you kind of magic good fortune in your life. And those of you that have really strong fifth houses might find that things just seem to go your way. And that's just part of having uh, a really well fleshed out fifth house.
0: Yeah, you get it. You earn everything.
1: And if you're like, how do I know if I have like a good fifth house or not? Well, if you have Venus there, certainly. If you have a lot of planets there, you know, certainly like if you have the sun there, even just like depending on the sign that's on the fifth house, like if you have a sign whose planetary ruler is like really well aspected. So for example, if you have Pisces, ruling your fifth house and then you've got like Jupiter conjunct the sun because Jupiter's the ruling planet of Pisces that would you know indicate a really strong fifth house or Jupiter in a trine to Venus or things of that nature you can start to figure out um, how much luck is available to you and how much luck you're going to have to outsource for your life
0: so let's just talk about planets that live in that fifth house Um, what would you say about someone who has like a sun in the fifth
1: You are supposed to shine as a creative force in the world or you are somebody that like shines as a parent Um, or maybe you have like a very famous child, but there's something in that thematic realm. You also could be just like a really creative parent, you know, like shining your creativity in in the household or how you dress your kids or, you know, throw them elaborate birthday parties, things of that nature. But for me, if I see somebody with a son in the fifth house, the first conversation I'm going to have with them is like, what is the creative practice for you? Because fifth house sons want to shine based on the stories, the songs, the paintings, the dance, the clothes, the things that only they can see and that only they can husband into the world.
0: Yeah, they deserve a spotlight, that sun in the fifth house. So finding that is is key. The moon in the fifth house just really speaks to needing to, sh- you know, have your emotions be really front and center when it comes to your creativity. You know, being someone who really allows yourself the freedom to express your emotions, yourself emotionally to others and you know really infusing emotion into whatever creative pursuits you have and of course that can also be a really strong parent uh, aspect because you know the moon has that traditional maternal quality to it so there is a real sense of like you know being a mother to others in some fashion What about Mercury? So
1: Mercury in the fifth house, again, might be a storyteller, might be a songwriter, might be that you are a really chatty parent. But Mercury is also how we conceptualize our identity. Mercury is our mind. So I would say whatever the sign is that Mercury is in, if it's in your fifth house, is important for you to understand that like this is really key to how you think about yourself and how you want to express yourself in the world. And it might be that it's a sign that is not your son. And so that's important for you to start to integrate those energies into your authenticity.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, we've talked a bit about Venus already, but yeah, if Venus is in your fifth house, well, you're in luck. You're a lucky bitch. (laughs) Love, have lots of casual sex.
1: Potentially lots of children, lots of creative (laughs) projects. Uh, Again, it depends on the sign, of course, but regardless of the sign, Venus in the fifth house is going to bless you with good luck and good fortune and just kind of smooth some of those bumpy parts of your life. But it also is a value of creativity. You're somebody that even if you're not a creative yourself, you love to go to the theater, you love to see art, you love to, you know buy nice well-designed things because you value the the creativity of other people and it also could be something that you really engender in your children um you know you're a creative parent you want to take your kids to the museums you want to put them in all sorts of dance classes it's kind of like when i was a kid my parents kind of like threw me into everything just to like see what would stick And, you know, Venus in the fifth house, you might be like that. You're like, all right, well, try a pottery class, try a painting class, try a poetry class, you know, just like learn it all and then see what really makes your heart sing.
0: Now with Mars in the fifth house, well, it just means you really take action on your creativity. Uh, You're really active in whatever creative pursuit you want to take part in. You are someone who really goes after the pleasures of life. You know, you're probably someone who like, is interested in you know who like maybe sees like an article on like some sort of interesting adventure type thing and you're like i'm just gonna go make that happen i want to fucking do the amazing race you know like you're just gonna like go after it and i think when it comes to like parenting too well you may just have a bit of an aggressive parenting (laughs) style you're definitely someone who is going to maybe push and assert your thoughts your ideas your beliefs um for what uh your child wants but you know you're also probably like the most amazing advocate for your child or for your projects your creativity you're someone who is going to wage a really great fight for something you love you're also probably
1: just always driving them
0: around (laughs) totally uh jupiter we've talked about and saturn but we can talk
1: about the other outer planets
0: yeah though i do think it's worth noting um even though the ninth house rules teaching jupiter and or saturn in there could mean that you are a teacher For sure, especially like a creative teacher. And this doesn't
1: necessarily mean that you're like the art teacher. You could be the art history teacher or you could be like the film editing professor.
0: Or just the real fun teacher, you know. It doesn't necessarily have to be creative.
1: Yeah, because you have a lot of students in the fifth house if you have Jupiter in the fifth house. So how do you have a lot of students?
0: By being a teacher. Yeah, it's like the history teacher I had in high school who would like come dressed up in costume, you know, regarding like whatever thing we were talking about.
1: My third grade teacher, Mrs. Blake, used to do that.
0: Well, they both probably had fifth house placements.
1: She would, like, come in dressed as, like, Johnny Appleseed or Pocahontas. Oh, that was problematic. Not at the time. You know, this was, like, the early 90s. We hadn't woken (laughs) up to that. But she would let us ask... (laughs)
0: Problematic nonetheless.
1: Oh, 100%. But she would, like, let us ask questions of her as she, like, assumed the role of these historical people. And I will say, like, you know, she dressed up as... You know, cis men, cis women, and it didn't really matter, like, who she was. She just, like, dressed up as whoever we were studying. So, yes, problematic, for sure, to dress up as Pocahontas and have a bunch of third graders ask you questions about your life. But nonetheless, very Fifth House.
0: I want to know about her private life. I'm so curious now. What went on behind the scenes? Kathy Blake, if only we knew. Kathy Blake. She must have been a little freaky. Um. So, Uranus in the fifth house
1: you're a very unconventional parent you have very unconventional children and you are rebellious in your creativity you want to thwart convention
0: neptune in the fifth well there's just a real marriage of spirituality and creativity that occurs there you know your creativity is spiritual practice you probably uh Move through the world, really kind of like absorbing everything that you experience and finding ways to infuse it into whatever creative work that you do. Um, Neptune also has a real like visual quality to it, so a real visionary creative person as well.
1: Yeah, I think about someone like Rumi, like who maybe had Neptune in the fifth house, right? Like a mystic poet, mm-hmm. but also you know, low vibe Neptune is just like totally checked out and out to lunch essentially. So, you know, Neptune in the fifth could also be kind of like an absent or spacey parent or children that have trouble like really grounding or being present in form.
0: Yeah. So one to be really aware of, um, if you have it, just like how to, um, plug into the highest vibe expression of, um, and Pluto in the fifth house, I mean, a real intensity that comes with your creative process. Um, someone who dives all the way deeply into whatever they are working on, um, knows how to have a real damn good time is going to go all the way. Um, but you know, ultimately too, someone who can potentially be really challenged by their dark side and having to learn how to balance that with their pleasure to not perhaps make their darkness their pleasure.
1: Yeah, it's definitely someone who is irrevocably transformed by the creative projects that they engage with. I think of actors, you know, who go really deeply into a role and There's like a transference of the character into their personality for the rest of their lives that changes them or novelists who spend so long working in a world writing a story. But I also think because the fifth house is about children, not to go too deep into like, you know, medical mediumship, Saturn and or Pluto in the fifth house can indicate just issues with fertility. And so Saturn can just be, you know, like it's going to take longer for the child to happen. And Pluto can sometimes be like death in the fifth house. So there can be difficulty with miscarriages or things of that nature. It's not insurmountable, but sometimes that can just help illuminate some of the struggles that exist. And that could also be creative. Like there are projects that get aborted halfway through um, because Pluto can also indicate death.
0: Yeah. So wherever Pluto is in your chart, that area of life, you know, you have very soulfully transformative experiences. So, yeah, uh, all of those fifth house things are going to uh, transform you on a on your deepest level. And there she is. That's the fifth house is brought to you by the spiritual gaze. El Cinco. <laughs> um, but please let us know, um, too, if you have any thoughts or uh, questions about uh, your own relationship with the fifth house. Um, all right. And now it is time for our tarot card of the episode.
1: But I just want to say what I'm really loving about this series is hopefully your understanding that even if you don't have planets in these houses in your chart, these are parts of yourself that you should have access to. It's like rooms in Your house that maybe you've never gone into. And so I hope that you are looking at your chart and starting to figure out for yourself what these houses mean for you because astrology, as a practice of radical self acceptance, the houses are so important to show you your expansiveness. And even houses without planets are places you can expand into. All right, everybody. So just take a moment and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. And just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future, place, or time to which you listen to this episode. Just asking for one card to guide us through these waters, eclipse season, Mercury retrograde, or whenever it is that you might be listening. The Four of Wands reversed. So the Four of Wands is a spiritual or energetic foundation. It's a structure, but it's like a chuppah, which is like a traditional Jewish wedding hut, which is barely a structure at all. It's just four sticks and like a little canopy overhead. And I think what that speaks to is that a spiritual foundation is one that you can take anywhere. Um, Almost like the spiritual minimalism that I'm feeling called to these days It's like we need more space to let the goddess in as opposed to all of these walls that in some ways keeps the goddess out. So first and foremost, just start to notice where you've been a little positional or stubborn with your spiritual or energetic foundation, how it wants to change, like are the rituals that you're doing still serving you? Are the tools that you're working with still alive for you? Sometimes it's okay to like put the tarot cards away for a little bit and then come back to them at another time to learn a new modality that might speak to where you are in the present moment. But the other signification of the Four of Wands Is about success. It's about progress. It's about our ability to notice how far we've come. And when it's reversed, it often indicates that we are in a position of always looking forwards to the next goal without ever taking a moment to receive our own progress, how far we've come. And I think eclipse season, as this space between stories, is a really good time to just sit down and get quiet and look back and notice that you have evolved. You have achieved things that at one point in your life you thought were impossible and yet look at where you are. And I think in receiving our own progress, it allows us to be nourished in a way that moves us forwards towards the next big goal. But especially in our current society, you know, we live in these modern times of capitalism and consumerism and hustle culture. And it's quite... Countercultural to stop chasing, stop reaching, stop consuming, and just go, What have I already got? What have I already done? And how can I just be proud of myself for where I've gotten so far? And that is, in some ways, a spiritual foundation, being able to be present with each step of the journey and being able to, in some ways, like eke out the spiritual gifts from wherever on the journey you are. Because it's such a cliche, we know it's not the destination, it's the journey. But there are so many journeys that happen simultaneously in our lives. And sometimes we arrive at one place on one journey, but we're still chasing something else. And instead of paying attention to where we've just arrived, we're still paying attention to what we're still chasing. So in summation, I would just say notice where you have already arrived and stop focusing so much for this short term about where you're trying to get to.
0: Bravo. Thank you for sharing that. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for uh, listening to our episode, for joining us, for being a part of our community. There is one really, really fun, exciting opportunity um, for you all. If you really want to be a uh, greater part of our community, you can join us for our upcoming retreat that will be taking place uh, June 23rd through the 25th here um, in the Los Angeles area, and we will actually be focusing all on joy.
1: Yeah. So if you're in the, you know Southern California or just like you know California area and you want to participate, or if you want to fly out to join us, we are going to be teaching things that we just can't talk about on the podcast. We've got some really magical tricks up our sleeve. It's a beautiful property, all of your meals, which will probably be some of the best meals you've ever eaten in your entire life are going to be taken care of. And we just really look forward to holding space for everyone to remember that joy is possible and you know you might be thinking like what do these two homosexuals know about joy considering the depths of grief that they're going through (laughs) but the thing is is that grief follows us out for joy and that joy is something you have to work for but that you are capable of it it's your birthright so a lot of the healing that we'll be doing in this cosmic healing retreat is about exploring like what are the roadblocks to joy why isn't life feeling joyful or easy and how can we reclaim a taste of it to take with us forwards into our life so if any of that sounds appealing to you I really encourage you to sign up even in a mercury retrograde it's okay you'll be taken care of and claim your spot now because we're just limiting it to the first 15 people who have signed up
0: yes and we're excited to uh share that time with those of you who have already signed up but yeah if you want to sign up you can go to our website thespiritualgaze.com and there is a section there on the joy retreat where you can get even more information and you can click a link to register so we hope to see you there. All right,
1: beauties. Take good care of yourselves. Take good care of each other. And until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual, spiritual game. game.